Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circuits. It is Memorial Day weekend is coming up, one of the biggest weekends in racing. We've got a lot to talk about tonight, a lot to discuss, digest. If we go overtime, folks, I'm sorry. Uh, but again, my name is Frank Stanorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour or more. Uh, let me introduce you to my panel tonight. With me, as always, my man Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing. Gray, how are you tonight? Doing fine. Good evening, everyone. Also, I have the uh, NASCAR correspondent over at Motorsports Tribune, Mr. Seth Eggert. Seth, how are you? I'm doing good. Good, good. Good to have you here. And uh, joining us again, um, he's man, this dude's become a regular on our panel, uh, Richard Uden. Um, also from Richard Childress Racing. Richard, great to have you back again. How are you tonight? I'm very good, thank you. Hope everybody else is as well. 
Outstanding. So, uh, you know, again, big weekend of racing coming up. We've got the Indianapolis 500, the Coke 600, the, um, the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, and all the festivities that go along with all of those. But, uh, you know, we start off uh, this week's uh, news on a bit of a sad note. Um, Nikki Hayden, the 2006 MotoGP champion, um, the guy that's called the Kentucky Kid, um, you know, passed away, um, involved in a, a road accident on his uh, bicycle. He was hit by a car uh, in Italy, sustained some um, injuries that he did not survive. So, uh, you know, our thoughts our thoughts and our prayers are with uh, Nikki Hayden's friends and families and, and those that knew him. Um, just a sad day in the motorsports world. So um, I just certainly wanted to mention that, um, you know, um, gosh, I'm from Kentucky. I live in Kentucky, and uh, he just, he just make this, made this state proud. So um, we'll miss him a ton. Um, but um, uh, also, um, at least over in the NASCAR world, uh, we lost one of the cameramen for Fox, uh, Matt Kogan. Uh, he also died in a road accident, a motorcycle wreck. I, I did not know that, Seth. Thanks for sharing that. So, and again, our thoughts and prayers will be with. Uh, with his family as well, and the folks over at uh, Fox Sports. So, but let's let's talk about racing. Um, so the grid is set for the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500. We have 32 cars in on speed. Uh, the last entry um, in on uh, substitute for Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, Bourdais was in the first day qualifying. Bourdais, who runs with the Dale Coyne team, the Honda team. Uh, he won first race of the season. This year, those guys were looking to have a great season. Um, they have a uh, uh, Dale Coyne hired some engineers that uh, Sebastian requested. Pretty much built the team around Sebastian, and we're looking for a banner year. Um, Bourdais was among the top five all month long in speeds, um, making his qualifying run. Two hundred thirty on the warm up lap. Two thirty three on the first lap. Uh, second lap around. You know, he lost it into the wall, nose first, very scary-looking crash. Um, looked like he overcorrected, turned to the right, uh, and a very scary crash. Um, had injuries uh, to the uh, to the lower back and the pelvis, uh, put him in the hospital. He's going to put him out of racing for for the rest of the season. Um, Seb's talking like he wants to come back for the season ender. Uh, Dale Coyne's trying to talk him out of it, but um, uh, either way, that's a, that's a solid competitor out of the Indy 500. Uh, James Davison will be replacing him, but um, I mean, you guys saw that wreck. That was something else, huh? Wow. That's all I can say. It was, it was, it was vicious, but it speaks to the, to the strength and integrity of the, uh, of the DW 12 IndyCar. What a, it held up remarkably well in the in the improvements they've made since uh, James Hinchcliffe's wreck a couple of years ago, uh, where the uh, it, they beefed up the intrusion barrier in the tub. Uh, just a remarkable, remarkable uh, that he that he was able to have. I mean, while his inju- injuries are serious, it could have been much much worse. I think they officially stated he has a had a broken a broken right hip. And, and multiple fractures of the pelvis. But the encouraging part was they, they made the release uh, late Sunday afternoon that uh, his, or, or, or yeah, around Sunday afternoon that his surgery, the doctors were very pleased with the surgery and said it was a complete success. And I believe uh, there were pictures 
of uh, him up and about on Monday morning, and uh, he walked out of the hospital today and is headed to rehab. So uh, yep, that's, and, that's and, very good. That's very good news. And he's talking like he wants to come to the race Sunday, which uh, <laughs> you know, uh, no, there's no place he'd rather be. I'm sure. I'm sure he'd rather be in the car. Um, but he, he's already trying to see if he can uh, still make his Le Mans gig. Um, but uh, his doctor's pretty much. Uh, I know Ford that, is so. looking. I know Ford is looking for a replacement for him. Uh, they haven't named anyone yet. The last I checked. Right. Yeah. But that's so, that's the racer in him. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's the racer in him. So, I mean, with that being said, we're going to miss Sebastian in the race. Um, you know, he'll he'll be there at the speedway um, by by all accounts right now, unless uh, his doctors advise him otherwise. But uh, so the rest of the qualifying went on. We had a, we had a heck of a shootout for the, for the pole there. I believe it was, um, you know, Alonzo who first, uh, you know, laid the smackdown with the, with the lightning fast lap only to be bested by Alexander Rossi um, shortly after. Well, actually, Kanan, actually, Kanan got him first. That's he? right. Kanan. No, no, Kanan no, got him no. First. Alonzo's qualified ahead of Kanan. Oh, that's that's right. That's right. Yeah, Rossi was like two or three after Alonso. Right. Yeah, Kanan yeah. put up the number first and then got bested. That's right. 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 And uh, Rossi knocked um, Alonso off the pole. Uh, Scott Dixon went out there and put on a blistering four laps, uh, averaged two thirty two and changed the fastest pole speed since nineteen ninety six uh, to claim the pole. The last car out was. Uh, uh, with a shot at it, it was Ed Carpenter who came tantalizingly close uh, to getting around Dixon, uh, but will settle for the middle spot of the second row. So your front row will be Scott Dixon uh, in the Chip Ganassi Honda, Ed Carpenter in the um, Fuzzy's Vodka Chevrolet, uh, Alexander Rossi, the Napa, Napa uh, Auto Parts Andretti Racing Honda. Uh, behind them in the second row, Takuma Sato. Fourth place. Um, this here's a guy who uh, had a great run in the in the, the first round of qualifying. Uh, was uh, second place. He brushed the wall on his uh, <laughs> brushed the wall on his uh, second second round qualifying attempt, and still qualified fourth place. Fantastic save there from Sato. Um, he for just not, knocked the shine off those good off those yeah, first stumps and kept yeah, digging. Yes, he did. Uh, uh, Fernando Alonso will start middle of the second row. Great start for the rookie. <laughs> and then uh, out, <laughs> on, outside will be uh, Jerry Hildebrand in the other Carpenter Chevrolet. So we've got two Chevrolets um, in the front row. The rest are Hondas. Um, the, the, the third row, the rest of the Fast Nine, Tony Kanaan, uh, Marco Andretti, and then Will Power uh, on the outside of the third row. So um, And then the this field is as deep as you can imagine. You know, if you think of the, the, the guys that are starting farther back, you know, Paginot, Newgarden, um, back there, Ryan Hunter Ray. Um, you know, this is going to be anybody's race. I'm really excited yeah. about I, I Juan think Pablo. Yeah. Juan Pablo Montoya is right there. Yeah. I mean, this could be, this is anybody's race. Seriously. You know, so. Uh, yeah, it really is. And I, you know, I wanted to speak, I wanted to speak to that about the disappointing uh, disappointment that must be felt in the Penske camp because, you know, earlier in the week as practice went along, you know, the Penske car showed good speed uh, and then, and then qualifying day, 
they they all talked about how balanced their cars were. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner were and how good they drove but they just just they just didn't have the speed and i'm sure uh the, the whole penske camp was left scratching their head uh after qualifying yeah i, I think one thing that was uh, good to see sorry very quickly is that uh you know to see uh alexander rossi up there you know a lot of people his his win last year caught people by surprise and they didn't really know who he was or where he'd come from and he was a bit of an unexpected winner and and the like. Whereas now he's gone back out there, and he's he, you know he he's got it in the um, you know he's got it up there on on raw raw pace, and uh, that may make sort of uh, quiet some of his critics a th- little bit. I think. Yeah, oh, most definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of folks out there to think that win was a fluke, but you know Rossi's a you know racer through and through, and he's he's got uh, you know great great team, same team he was with last year that put him in that position to win, but now he's right there starting on the front row and. Um, if Rossi were to repeat as the winner, he would be the first person to win his first two Indianapolis 500s since Elio Castro Nevis in 2001 and 2002. Wow. Hey, uh, that's a good company to be That's in. good company. Yeah, but you think, uh, has anybody ever won their first two Indy 500s? Yeah, well, it's been done once, mm-hmm. and it certainly can be done again. Rossi's got as good a chance as any. His, his Vegas odds are uh, not not paying off a lot of dividends, which means uh, there's a lot of confidence in that car. So, And speaking of confidence in the car, let's talk about how many Honda engines have expired over the course of the month. And I know there's Honda, en- Honda engineers scratching their heads there. They, they say maybe they have a fix to it, but I'm, I'm wondering if in race trim they're going to have to dial it back so far that uh, that the Chevys will gain an advantage. You know, this is a lot of this is just really quiet hush hush. Honda said, "Oh yeah, we have we have a fix, yeah. we have a fix." But uh, you know, again, we saw Oriol Servia on Monday last practice another Honda engine let go. So, but but I did read an article today that that Servia's uh, problem was not related to the same issues that uh, plagued Honda in the in the Indy Grand Prix and some of their earlier things it was a totally from what i read today that, that his failure was totally unrelated to the others and i also heard uh in an interview with the with the honda boss talking about that uh dialing the engines back for the race would not would would not be an option they've you know they're looking at everything they can see that you know it, it could be as something from a, a, a metallurgy problem to any number of things they they really haven't been able to put their finger on it right away but uh you know and and, and bringing that up uh, the decision was to made to uh change the engine in uh 
Alonzo's car a mere few hours before he had to roll through tech. And uh, that that was a problem they saw on the data, uh, and they didn't want to take a chance of it having a problem during qualifying, so they chose to take the safe route and replace the engine. Yeah, you, were, uh, you wouldn't want to be in that team, would you, if uh, Alonzo's car had a problem? No. Uh, I mean, that would be... <laughs> I think the, I think a Honda contract would be ripped up there uh, in front of everybody, and he'd uh, go and sit on a beach somewhere. Yep. So <laughs> I mean, the, the Hondas have been awful quick, and I, mean, I tell you, also uh, Ryan Hunter Ray had a very disappointing qualifying effort on uh, on uh, on Saturday. Thought he would, you know, he was one of my picks, and I, based on what he'd done in practice, I thought he would. Uh, he would do well, but uh, I guess he was kind of bitten by the time of the day that they went out because he just said he he just was slip sliding around and and really couldn't couldn't get any grip. Uh, and then, of course he he qualifies what uh, he was tenth. So he was tenth. So he, he, yeah, he yeah. was the, he was the fastest of his group. Right. You know, he, was so, so fa- he, he was fourth fastest overall, I believe, right. on the day uh, day Sunday. So a lot of speed in that car too. Um, I'm sure he's disappointed starting at starting tenth, but uh, when he won in 2014, he started from the from the 19th spot. So, uh, like you like you alluded to earlier, this is going to be a wide open race, wide and guys race, can yeah. win from any anywhere in that field. Well, here's an interesting stat: since the introduction of the DW12, every Indy 500 winner has come from tenth back or worse. Wow. That might change this year. It might change this year because if you look, you got some solid guys at the front. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, 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 other indie qualifying news: uh, Scott Dixon, after winning the pole, had to do the had to do the uh, the, the media tour, go here and there and there, and, and he's running around with his wife Emma and his buddy buddy Dario Franchitti, and they and they, they want to find some place to eat and. The place they wanted to go to wasn't open, so they said, we need to find something. So they they go to the local Taco Bell, the only place open that late at night, and get robbed at gunpoint by a couple of thugs. Um, and uh, by there's not a lot of information because both Ganassi and the Indianapolis police have uh, asked those guys to just kind of not to speak about this. But um, the, the little bit that I heard, I got this from my buddy Robin Miller, was that Frank Giddy said, really, I don't have any cash on me. Will you take a credit card? He said, will you take a couple <laughs> autograph pi- Will you take a couple autograph pictures? We got a box of them in the back. Uh, but dude, I don't have any money. So I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what these guys got away with, but um, the, the police caught them. They, 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 caught, hey, they caught them the same the story, night and arrested them. So. But, um, hey, yeah. the, story I heard, the story I heard is they took Emma's wallet and, oh, no. and, Dick, and, and Scott's phone and then, of course, Dixon. Dixon is a known watch collector, and he had on his Daytona Rolex, and I think Franchitti had on a had on one of his championship watches too. And neither one of those were given up. They they they, yeah, they, the guy, they managed yeah. to they these managed guys, to these, keep those. These guys didn't even think about asking for the watches. So, oh, that looks nice, you know. So, I don't know. It's it's just a, a weird. Weird story there, um, but may, heck, heck, maybe it'll be Dixon's good luck charm. Who knows? But um, well, awful lucky that nobody was hurt because it could have been a tragic situation, and, and just glad nothing. Uh, you know, we can laugh about it now. And I'm, I'm sure they've they've had they've had some fun with it a little bit this week from 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 the media I've seen. But but obviously it was probably a tense situation 
when it went down, and I'm just glad no one was hurt. Oh, absolutely, no doubt. So, um, so let's. Uh, you guys want to go around the table and make picks for Indy? Yeah, we can. Go ahead. Yep. Sure. All right. Who wants Frank, to go? F- Frank, well, since you uh, will, it we'll let you go first since you're the you're the Indy guy. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what. If you remember last year's season-ending show where we went around the table and said, everybody make a bold prediction for 2017. My bold prediction was that if Takuma Sato goes ahead and signs with Andretti Autosport, he will win the 101st Indy 500. And you know what? I'm going to stick with that, as crazy as it may seem. Um, it doesn't seem crazy it, at all. It doesn't seem crazy at all based on how, how solid Sato's looked. But, but I said it last year, hey, if Sato goes with a, with a top team, I mean, the man has always had a talent. He just hasn't always had the tools. If you look, that racetrack owes him one. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that's a whole other story. (laughs) About (laughs) I I read an article today about it, and the title of the article was "Indianapolis: This Place Doesn't Owe You Shit." (laughs) (laughs) True. This I read this article today, and it said that, and somebody put it that's how Tony Stewart jinxed himself, saying this place owed one. (laughs) So, but. uh, either way, I mean, Sato has always had the speed. I believe he's always had a talent. He's, he's not had the patience. He's not had the equipment. Now he's with a top team with uh, solid teammates to share information with. They've got coaches in there like Michael Andretti, Brian Herta, and now Gilda Farron in the fold that, that all share information and, and help coach the drivers. This is Sato's you know, dream opportunity, and I believe he's making the most of it. And uh, I'm going with Takuma. So, uh, okay. Rich, Richard, who you got? Um, yeah, uh, you've taken mine um, again. <laughs> where were you really going to go, Masato? Uh, I was. Yeah, you I, I, you, you can't go wrong. Been, uh, and I was going to say, uh, Richard, you're always right. So I, I'm glad I got it. <laughs> hell, he almost uh, he almost picked the pole for the 500. He, had, he picked Carpenter um, last week and he missed yeah, it by yeah. one, one slot. Um, I, I've got a soft spot for Takuma. I used to uh, build his steering wheels for him about, what, 12 years ago at Honda? So he's a great guy. He is, as you say, you know, to, to, to not, not to avoid uh, making a pick, but he is a, he is a fantastic guy. And, uh, you know, you can't not like him. He, he's brilliant and he does deserve, uh, you know, deserves some success. Um, who are we going to pick? Who are we going to pick? You know, oh, I'm going to go for. Let's let's go for willpower. Let's throw him in there. I think he's, you know, it's about he. Something needs to happen with that team, as you said. They struggled a little bit in in um, you know qualifying, and you know I know those guys are going to be working every hour of every day to to find something there. And sometimes it's easier to to find something that's not there than to you know f- you know try and improve on something that is already quick. So uh, let's go. For, let's go for uh, willpower. That's a great pick, right. man. That that would be that would have been my that's my second choice for a pick, uh, because I think that Will Power's overdue for an Indy 500 victory. He he's got that you know road course specialist monkey shaking off his back, and I I think he's really going to be, you know, he, Will's tough to beat anywhere. He can win on any yeah. track on any day. So great. Pick, and for Richard. people to say that oh you know Penske is struggling, uh, yeah okay they didn't have a great qualifying, but Pen- they're not a team that struggle. No, they, no. They, they may they be disappointed, but they don't They'll find right? it. They, yeah. will, they will sit down, they will go through all the data, they'll analyze it, and they will get somewhere, you know, that somebody with, you know, if he's got the determination and he's in the position, he'll do the business. 
You know, he, he's he's grown up enough now, and he's, you know, there's very few things left for him to win, and this is, uh, I'm sure this is his number one uh, target right now. Absolutely. So, Gray, Seth, who wants to go next? I'll let Seth go. I'll go last. I know who Seth's, okay. I know who Seth's picking. <laughs> well, I'm picking between one and two. I really want to see the uh, Andretti curse end. But- lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At the same time, I have a fine feeling it's going to be Elio Castroneves. I knew it, Seth. And and you told us, you told us why the other week about the autographed diecast. Hey, yeah, yeah, El, yeah. El, Elio's got the Seth Eggert good luck charm on his side, so we'll see. We'll see. Man, I would I would love to see Elio win his fourth. I mean, I, I was there when he won his his third, and that was a really neat day. Um, I'd love to be there when he wins his fourth. Yep. Well, that that that, that he'll join uh, he'll join some. Uh, an illustrious crowd, if he does, that's for sure. So, I Seth, you, Seth, are you are you still waffling over Marco or Elio, or or are you? Um, I, I'm gonna go with Elio, but I'm just saying I do also want to see the Andrade curse <laughs> end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there you go, Elio Cash. Now, for you, Seth Gray. I'm gonna tell you, man. I tell you, I have I have thought about this all day long. Or Scott Dixon is the odds-on favorite to win it. And uh, wouldn't be disappointed to see him do it. Uh, I've always been a Dixon fan. Um, I like Ryan Hunter Ray. He's got a special knack for that place. He runs. He's he's run good the last several years. Won it in in won it in fourteen. Had another shot in in uh, in, in fifteen. And then and then last year got had the to me had the best car and got taken out on a, on a, in a pit road accident. Boy, I really like him, but I tell you, it's something I always keep I keep coming back to New Garden. You know, he's just he's he's been fast, uh, but but I'm gonna go ahead and, and go with Ryan Hunter Ray to win his second Indy 500. But I wouldn't be surprised, and I look for New Garden to be fast and a factor. Oh, absolutely, yeah, New Garden, yeah, he's uh, he was he was really solid last year and the year before. So uh, I mean, again, you know, and, and if you look at the guys we haven't picked, you've got. TK, who's a, always a threat to win an act. Exactly. Um, you know, some of the other, you know, Rossi, of course, none of us talked about Rossi. None of us talked about Alonzo. Pagano. Pagano, perhaps. Hell, we can sit, we can sit here and make a case for half the field. Yeah. Yeah. J.R. Hildebrand on the outside of the second row. J.R. Hildebrand. Golly, you know, the field is so deep in IndyCar. Um, that it's yeah. just, I just, I just can't wait to, I mean, you know, uh, once we're done with the show, I'm starting to pack my bags tomorrow morning. I'm heading up to the track and, uh, <laughs> I'll be there all weekend. I, I love I, it there. I, so I think we can I, see the, one of the, one of the best Indy 500s that, that we've ever seen, you know, in, in 2014, we had, uh, had 34 lead changes. And I believe what was it in 13, we had 68 lead changes, you know? So, uh, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a wide-open show. 
It is. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope the weather cooperates. We're talking about uh, some showers moving through the area Saturday, Saturday evening, and maybe Sunday morning uh, into the early afternoon. It, it may actually push the race start later. Um, I hope not. Yeah, there. But but if it does, but you're going to have a really green track though with all that uh, the rain there. They're looking yeah. to come Saturday morning. So, matter of fact. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, Ahead, Sorry, please. I do have a quick question. I do have a quick question for uh, for everybody here. And obviously, there's a lot of interest around uh, Alonso stepping up and, uh, and running this race. And so far, I think everybody can be in agreement throughout the uh, you know the, the two weeks or of the period he's been um, you know in Indianapolis and and going through the whole rookie orientation and uh, going through the qualifying procedure and everything like that. He, he's excelled. You know, he's he's proven his class. If he has a good run and you know gets a good solid finish and mixes it with the uh, you know all the uh, the big uh, big names, does that highlight, in your opinion anyway, highlight his ability or maybe the lack of ability in the rest of the field? I think it highlights his ability, and I tell you why. He's gone through the whole month of May and he has not misplaced a single wheel the whole time he's been there, and and to me that that is. That speaks to his talent and his professionalism. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't been. I, 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 he hasn't surprised me at all in in his way he's taken to it and and the way he's been way he's gone about his business. And uh, hey, you know, we can make a case for him to win the race. I think probably the reason that we shy away from it is because basically, and you know, we didn't pick Rossi last year. You know who who, who would have, and ba- based on you know just you don't you don't really you know it it doesn't you don't see many. You, of course, we talked about two of them, Elio and and uh, and, and Rossi winning their first time out. But hey, he could do it. He, he's as capable as anybody in the field. All right. So my take on this, and Richard, I, I think I know where you're going with this. Is we we I've seen this for years and years where you see guys that are back markers in Formula One come over to IndyCar, and then they suddenly excel. Um, and, and we've seen it all, all through the 90s where we had a, we had a plethora of, of you know, no-name Formula 1 drivers come over. And, you know, Teo Fabi, you know, couldn't quite cut a Formula 1 come over, you know, won the one to pull for Indy in 83. Um, but I think it's, it's more of a – it doesn't speak to the lack of talent in IndyCar as to the lack of – Depth in the teams in Formula One. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I think so, it spe- I think it speaks to the quality of the field of cars in in IndyCar because you have you have so many so many more competitive cars and teams exactly. in in uh, in IndyCar. Whereas exactly. in Formula One, yep. you've got you you've got you know there there's there's right now there's there's Mercedes and there's Ferrari and there's everybody else. Right. And so, obviously, you know, we've talked about Alonso <coughs> just being in the wrong car, you know, in, in Formula One. And, yeah. And uh, I, you know, seriously, you can consider Alonso right now a backmarker in Formula One. Uh, you really can. Very true, yeah. Very true. But, I mean, this is – I think that the, the guy that's always oh, a backmarker in Formula One is suddenly – Competitive IndyCar, well, because he's got because he's got a much more level playing field, and right. for a guy to get to Formula One in the first place, he's got to be pretty darn good. You know what I mean? Exactly. Or pretty darn yeah. rich, one or the other. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, Lance Stroll, not trying to call you out, but 
obviously they're 20 of the 20 of the best and and accomplished road racers in the world yeah yeah i i I would say that um you know you you, these guys are great if you if you were to throw uh say uh, you know if if you were to take a back marker from indycar and throw them in the mercedes in formula one he'd win because it's it's that much team driven right so yeah. we t- say, we yeah, take, yeah. say we take Gabby Chavez, right, who's had a tough time finding a ride, running with the bottom, you know, the the, the, the underfunded teams, but he's a he's a young, talented guy. Go ahead and say, hey, you know, hop in Hamilton's car for the day and see how you do. Well, he's going to, you know, he's going to excel. And that's that's what yeah. you're seeing here. So I don't think that the, the uh, Alonzo coming in and doing well is says anything poorly about the guys in IndyCar. Um, obviously, no. obviously Alonzo was one of the most naturally talented drivers I've ever seen, and I've I've said that for years. Um, so that's I don't want to I don't beat this horse yeah. of death. But I have uh, a comment too that I want to make, and I hope if you get if you or Chris or Joey when y'all t- are together at Indy this weekend covering the race, that if you get the chance to to uh, pose a question to to uh, Alonzo. I would I would like to know just you know on, on a personal side what his experience is, is has been like uh, this month of May coming over and just how 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 different the um, the uh, IndyCar paddock is uh, to the um, to the Formula One paddock and his interaction with the other drivers uh, in in the in the motor coach lot and and and, and just the just different how how it's been a different and how he's uh how he's adapted to it and, and if it's it, it seemed to me from what from everything i've seen that he has thoroughly and, and it's come through in all the interviews that i've seen that he's thoroughly enjoyed his experience over here uh this month interacting with the teams and 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 uh the other drivers and the whole you know just taking in the whole experience of the of the Indy 500 yeah, his he's been posed this question once or twice, and his 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 thoughts are overwhelmingly positive. He's just having a great time, and you know the same thing with Rossi last year, right? Rossi was all Rossi wanted to do was drive Formula One his whole life, right? Um, he signs with Michael Andretti when he loses his Manor ride, and and Michael Michael tells Rossi, he goes, "Look, you're really gonna like it here." He he goes, "I will tell you." He, he goes, "You know, tell me if I'm wrong." At the end of the year, that. Um, that this is not going to be a much better experience for you, and uh, you know, to, and Rossi. Well, where is he at? Back, back, back with Andretti. He's, you know, it was absolutely, absolutely correct that it's a much more um, fun environment for a guy. These guys get along better. In Formula One, it's so cutthroat. You know, Alonso said a couple things like that in the interviews, but uh, I, I will. I, I'm really hoping that uh, that I get to uh, interact with Fernando when I'm up there next week. So. I'm really looking forward to that. So, good deal. Represent, represent. Absolutely. So let's talk about uh, NASCAR for a bit. So we had a a bunch of NASCAR news coming out. We've had the All Star race. We had the Hall of Fame inductions today. We had Uh, the announce. It's not the inductions. It's the uh, announcement of the of the twenty eighteen inductees. Okay. I'm sorry if I misspoke, Seth. I, I still love you. I still love you, man. <laughs> and uh, the announcement of the 2018 schedule 
and there's some change in the schedule. So um, whoever wants to take this away uh, and start with the go-ahead, I'm going to have to step away from the microphone for a second. Seth, I believe you were there, and I was. I, w- I went to the All-Star race as well. Yeah, uh, I was there covering it, yes. Yeah. It was... Uh, uh, interesting? Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> I was out. Well, I was I was uh, encouraged by the. Uh, it was a better crowd there than I thought than I thought that there would be. It was a good atmosphere, good festive atmosphere. Uh, I was really impressed how NASCAR ran ran the All Star race this time. It was they really moved the show along. It was really good. It started off with the uh, the afternoon started off with with uh, qualifying for the uh, for the open, and then they ha- they ran the open and ran the open in three segments. And of and, course, uh, uh, it was, Eric Jones tried to pass in the grass. Oh yeah, that was that was that came about in in, in one of the last uh, one of the last it was the last stage in the last stage. But uh, Clint Boyer ended up winning the first stage, and then uh, he transferred in, and then uh, and then in Ooh. the second stage, Ryan Blaney ran strong and was able to hold off uh, hold off. The, field and pick up the win there thus transferring him into the big show and then the final stage was probably one of the more entertaining shows because daniel suarez and uh and chase elliott put on a really good show and then had uh, brandon jones uh join them at the front eric they, jones eric i'm sorry eric jones <laughs> uh joined them at the front and and they put on a spirited battle for a few laps and then of course eric jones tried to go through the grass uh the, the pass the fable and pass the, the grass. Uh, slither dug in Yes, Splitter dug in and uh, did some damage to his car and in, ended his night. And then on the restart, uh, Suarez was able to uh, to drive away and uh, and and win that uh, third and final stage and transfer into the big show. And, and Chase, Chase Elliott, Elliott got, the, got fan the fan vote. vote. Uh, had Chase Elliott won the race, the fan vote would have gone to Matty Bandetto. Oh, okay. I he didn't know second- that. But- he was second on the list, and I think Danica was third. Yeah. Okay, that's right. You know, always Danica's gonna always gonna gonna gonna, gonna garner some uh, some votes to transfer from the fans. But that got the field set and added the last four cars to this to the sixteen that were already in and made it a twenty car field. And uh, uh, to, to be three honest, three of them started on the uh, alternate tires. Yep. And to to be honest, I thought the. Um, I thought the first uh, first several segments of the um, the All Star race uh, were a little bit of a dud. Typical mile and a half uh, speedway racing. The car up front gets out in clean air and kind of gaps the uh, gaps the rest of the field and and drives off into the sunset. And that was uh, that was Mr. Kyle Larson in the first two segments. Uh, after pit stops in the third segment, the field got jumbled a little bit up front. Kyle Larson's uh, stop wasn't uh, particularly good, and he kind of fell back. Uh, uh, fell, fell back to what third or fourth, I believe. Uh, his jack bolt broke. Yeah, yeah, I knew he had a problem. Yeah. This stuff wasn't good. And then, uh, then of course, uh, Jimmy Johnson shows a little bit of strength, and, uh, and he's able to uh, to win the uh, to win the uh, third stage. Well, that, that was set- after uh, Clint Boyer's team got a little creative with the rules. Uh, yes. They were on the option tires. Yep. And the rules stated you had to put, uh, you could only put the option tiles, all four on at one time, but it did not say you had to take all four four. off at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And 
the combination of prime and option tires did not work very well, to say the least. And, and you know, I think I think too NASCAR and Goodyear got together and thought this would be a thought this might be a good idea to kind of jumble the field a little bit and create some havoc and some passing back in the field. And 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 while the idea was good because you know we've seen what you know seen the seen the the tire strategy in Formula One and in IndyCar. And, and, and it creates some interesting racing from time to time. I thought while the idea was good, I thought that possibly uh, they might not have chosen the right tire in this instance and probably well, probably need a little they, bit more work in that area. Well, they didn't get a chance to test it, for one. True, that, that's, that's a for, big part of it. And for another, when they practiced on the option tire versus the prime tire, the only practice session was during the day, Mm-hmm. While the All Star Race itself was at night, right, and so the, you're and not during the day, apples to apples, and during the day, the option tire was five to seven tenths faster lap. Mm-hmm. At night, it was maybe two to three. Yeah, because the track change. And and Charlotte's notorious for for these huge swings <clears throat> from day to night and 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 weather too. So yeah, and it was probably something they needed to do a little bit more homework on. And it didn't pan out quite like they did, but uh, that set the stage for the uh, for the third and final stage. They eliminated everybody else in ten cars with uh, the 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 winners and the guys with the highest average uh, stage winners and the guys with the highest average finish in the three previous stages. Started the last uh, and you, and you Seth, you take it from here and describe the the uh, the final segment. Well, Brad Keselowski restarted out front. Not by choice, but because his team ran out of tires. They had put on the option tires prior to stage three and then took him back off because he had a loose wheel. He They tried to put him back on, but NASCAR wouldn't let them because the rules stated they could only be used and put on the car one time. So he was out, out of tires on old tires in front of the field on the restart. Uh, he spins his tires because of how old they are. Kyle Busch sneaks below him while Jimmy Johnson's above him. Kyle Busch just walks away with the lead while Kyle Larson uh, follows behind him and begins a battle for the next 10 laps with Jimmy Johnson finally clearing him off of turn four with slide job uh, to coming to the checkered. I mean, too little, too little, too late. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it once again it 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 was the it was the car getting out front and clean air and being able being able to drive away. Uh, although on, on the mile and a half. Although with the way the rules were stated, uh, I don't know if I would have left Keselowski out without any tires. I mean, it was it, yes, it was a team's fault because there was a loose wheel, but. They never actually ran the tires. He literally made three quarters of a lap and came back on the pit road. Yeah, but that's NASCAR's sandbox, and and, and we yeah. play in it. So that's kind of kind of how it, how it went down. But you know, there, there was some debate uh, after the race in the media about uh, about the All Star race and losing some of its luster because it really, you know, it wasn't that that competitive a show. Uh, well, the open the open racing. The teams that were in the open, I thought, uh, well, the racing was a little more spirited. But uh, and, and there's talk, and, and this, of course, 
I don't think Charlotte, with the current configuration of the cars, is probably you're probably going to get your best show uh, in a sprint race like uh, it's it's designed to be. Um, I don't know uh, if it if it's one of those things where we need to look at possibly moving uh, in the future. I do know that these All Star Race will return to Charlotte again next May when the when the 2018 schedule came out. But I don't know if it's one of those things we need to possibly look at moving uh, the uh, the All Star Race around a little bit and trying some bit different venues. What do you guys think? Well, well yeah, there was also Kyle, Kyle Lawson was quite vocal, wasn't he? Was it Kyle Lawson who said that Jimmy he, Johnson? Yeah. Jimmy Johnson well, likes it at Charlotte, and I think Carl Larson said he wants it moving around. Well, yeah. Jimmy Johnson said he's good at Charlotte, but he wouldn't yeah. mind to trying it, and he said sarcastically, at yes. Dover under the lights. <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, it could... It, well, you you know, it, it, it would, it's got to be a track where you're going to... where you can probably attract a good a good portion of your fan base and that kind of thing. So it's, it's other factors involved in, in choosing choosing a spot to, to do it. But I think it, we, I think we've come to the time that basically until, until they can figure out something that's going to create well, racing on these mile and a half, that's a little better that we may need to look at uh, doing it. If we're going to well, turn some of the shine to the all-star race. Well, there was another viewpoint that some members of the media did have, which I'll agree a little bit with them. What's the point in having the all-star race where Let's set, take, I know NASCAR and stick and ball, it's different, but let's take the NFL Pro Bowl, for example. You usually have members of different teams competing with each other. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in NASCAR, it's still the same drivers you see every week. It's just basically a, a free pass for the week, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Really, yeah. So there uh, was it's talking. A, well, it's an te- exhibition. Yeah, from there's a talk in the media to see if there's a way of having. Maybe some of the Xfinity Series winners or champions, same with the Truck Series, if there was some way, shape, or form, they could have their own ride and compete in it. It's a very difficult situation because, you know, unlike some of the other sports that have these, the, the, the Pro Bowl or the All-Star Games or anything, you know, you're not going to, you know, who in their right mind, at, uh, you know, for example, you know, at, at Toyota is going to let Jimmy Johnson drive in a JTG car? Exactly. Uh, JGR car. Um, who, who's going to let Kyle Busch go to a Penske? You know, it's just never going to happen. So you, you know, and then you say, okay, well, we'll get twenty. You know, well, who's going to build those? Nobody's going to sit down and build, you yeah. know, twenty chassis for one race. That's so, like the old IROC series. Yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. Like, Something like the old IROC series have, have been identical cars, or even like this. Uh, what was this thing they had um, with? Uh, they had all the the different drivers. It was down Race of Champions. Race, Race of Champions, Champions yeah. <laughs> they had, had him in all those little dune buggies and crazy stuff in a, in a stadium race. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what the answer is to the All-Star Race, but uh, I do think maybe it should move around. Um, you know, Charlotte is the well, set, Char- Charlotte, is the... The, Charlotte is the seminal home of NASCAR. That's where all the teams are based. That's uh, that's how we, uh, you know, that's where, well, uh, close to where if... Winston was uh based when you know we had the old winston cup and that's kind of how we all settled there but uh you know what what if you had it at daytona what if you did it on the road course what what if you did uh, you know you know 10 you know 10 laps on the oval 20 laps on the road yeah. course and that you know what if you did something crazy like well, that just to mix it yeah. up because i remember well, in the 90s they, I, would, they would do neat <laughs> stuff to mix it up 
you know, the, the I, old one hot night hear, kind of thing. Go ahead, Seth. I'm sorry. I did hear one driver's suggestion. I'm not going to name the driver because I know he said jokingly, but uh, he said they should do 10 laps on the dirt track, then 10 laps on the oval, 10 laps on the Legends oval on the front stretch. 10 laps on the road course, and then 10 laps on the oval behind the track. <laughs> and then, ten, then 10 laps through the park, parking lot. Yeah. yeah. So I know I said I know he was saying it jokingly, but that was his solution. That's how fed up he was with the all-star race. Well, I think, you know, these guys, they can be fed up all they want to, but they're getting paid a, <laughs> a handsome sum of money to get out and do this. That's why... I get so frustrated every week when if you if you what, go on go on social media and, and Fox always has their radioactive that they play and it's a scanner sound from the previous week's race and I get so frustrated and listen to these guys cry and bitch and moan and call everybody a dumbass and this stuff every single week and I mean it's the same guys every I mean just really I'm sorry. You're doing what you want to do, and you're getting paid a, a king's ransom to do it. Be quiet and enjoy what you do or get out of it. I'm sorry. I'm, I get so frustrated hearing that stuff every week. And granted, you know, it ain't, it's not perfect, but, and, and, we got, and, and some things to do. But basically what we're talking about is making the race better for the fans. Basically, that's what we're talking about, and giving them a more competitive show. And... Uh, that's what I think we need we need to look at. And if it takes moving it around, moving it to a different venue to make the show more competitive or, or trying to find a, a balance to where the car can actually uh, race uh, uh, a sprint type race in their in, in a configuration that that uh, that they we can put these cars in, which is another difficult <clears throat> thing to do on a mile and a half. That's what we need to do. It's a. Uh... You know, I know we're sort of uh, talking about the uh, All-Star Race and, and also, um, you know, looking ahead at the calendar for next year. Yeah, it, when Monster Energy came in and they were saying, we're going to revolutionize NASCAR, we're going to change it, we're going to make it, you know, all these fantastic things. You know, I mean, I'm sure the All-Star Race is, is part of their uh, goal. But from my point of view, you know, the, the first thing they probably had a major impact in because I think for probably everything that's happening this year, they came on board too late. The calendar for next year, I mean, is it really that revolutionary? Is that really going to draw all the missing crowds back in? Uh, I think you need, I think NASCAR is a bigger problem than whether Indy's in September or July. Uh, is that going to is that going to increase increase the viewing figures? Is that going to you know have, what effect is that going to have on uh, on the sport? I. Mm-hmm. I think there's some bigger issues there, and um, the All-Star race just maybe highlights it because it's in the grand scheme of things, it's not that important. All the other races, they do have an impact on the end result, whereas that one doesn't. Right. And, and like oh. I said, the, the, the All-Star race is, a, is, a, is an exhibition, and it's for the fans, and that you want to put on you, your best show for the fans because it's really celebrating the fans on that on that weekend when you have the have the all star race, but you're you're absolutely right, for, uh, Richard. We've we've got other issues. It's a complicated problem uh, trying to find that 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 competitive balance that's going to make these cars uh, be able to race uh, more competitive. Well, they, they they do race competitively, but to be able to 
to to to do it uh, cl- closer competition on these mile and a half. And that's something I think that that NASCAR is always looking at with with the pa- with the aero packages and things that they that, that they like to try. Um, then too, with we're getting into the schedule now that that you alluded to with next year. I think some of the things that they try they're trying to do with the schedule is to spice things up. Um, again, it's a bigger problem than that, but you but some of these things may uh, may work like we like uh, moving the um, the Brickyard 400 from July uh, when it's sweltering hot in uh, in Indianapolis to September to to September and making it the last race before the chase to maybe create some uh, a little bit of a buzz about it because it's the last chance for teams to 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 improve their position to get in the chase and and by doing that maybe create a little bit more buzz and draw some more fans to the race so it so that you know for those two reasons make a little bit of sense to me uh you know we need to be at nas we need to be at indianapolis because of the statue that the indianapolis motor speedway has in the motorsports world nascar needs to be there they have to be there and and they need to try to find some way to restore a little bit of luster to that race that it that it enjoyed the first uh, uh, ten or fifteen years we were there. Yeah, the first the first decade of the Brick, Brickyard Four Hundred was I mean, that was right during the IndyCar split, and for a while the uh, the Brickyard Four Hundred outdrew the Indy Five Hundred for for fans. But over the years, uh, the problem the problem with the Brickyard Four Hundred is not the dates, right? I mean, mind you, it is miserable to sit in them stands in July in Indianapolis. Um, It'll be much more comfortable in the fall, but that doesn't fix the fact that the track is ill-suited for stock cars and does not produce a good race. They had, there was some talk about running the Brickyard on the road course at Indianapolis, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I heard that. And I would have liked to have seen that instead of them choosing to run the road course at Charlotte, which is I think you I think the right, I mean, would be Char- 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 Charlotte is a fine track for stock well, cars. Charlotte. My understanding is uh, they're experimenting at Indy with restrictor plates on the Xfinity series. They've cars. done that test, yeah. They've done a test, I believe, with uh, Xfinity restrictor. I know they're going to run it in the race. Okay, they and, are doing the race, are they? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for Xfinity it, with the restrictor plates. And my understanding is they want to see how that plays out before they commit to doing the road course at Indy. Um, okay. e- either way, they've, they've, they've pulled out um, every big gun in the world to try to save the Brickyard 400. Uh, you know, they've made it the, um, the Kroger Super Weekend and brought yeah. in all these support races and, and all these other things. And still the, the fans are just not coming out. And then, of course, now now this is happening. Now that uh, the split has been reunited, and and the five hundred itself has, you know, come back to where it needs to be. So, well, in, you know, and in, I tell you, in, in my mind, I mean, you know, try the road course thing, or, or try a, or yeah. try try a double header. Run the Xfinity guys on the road course, and then the Cup guys on the on the oval. Uh, well, well, see how that the goes. reason at the, the same reason. time. <laughs> the reason at why the they same won't. Time. Richard, you're yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. The reason why they won't run them uh, on the road course and then on the oval, you know, back-to-back days, they tried that with the Grand Am series, and 
it would just take too long to convert the track back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can see that. And then you, you're getting kind of gimmicky when, when you do stuff like that. But I think basically and, and, and realistically, the Brickyard 400 is probably one or two epic races away from from rekindling some interest. They need they need to go up there and 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 be able to to have a good show up there, good competitive show with a slam bang finish and then back it up the next year with a similar race. Easier said than done, obviously. But yeah, I think yeah, I, I don't know if they need to do it with arrow or with tires or whatnot, but it just the flat tracks. Some, the flat like tracks that, are where they you know, can come with two good, two good, compelling races that really get everybody excited again, and and that and that's what that's what they need to uh, yeah. need to have. And I mean that you could say that for for several racetracks too, not just and uh, another just thought. And this is uh, technically truck series. Uh, there, because all three uh, series schedules came out, the Truck Series needs a few more races. It's, uh, at 23, uh, let's see, they race Daytona, Atlanta, Vegas, Martinsville, then they're all for a month and a half before returning at Dover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and that's better than it has been, to be quite honest, but there's still about a month gap between Vegas and Martinsville as well. Yeah, and we can we can talk about the truck series too because in news in the truck series, uh, Red Horse abruptly shut down uh, this yesterday week. or yeah, well uh, mon- Tuesday yeah. or Monday Monday. And they yeah. took that takes two more two more competitive trucks uh, out of out of their out of their show and their field, and that's and that's bad news for the uh, for the truck series. Uh, again, that's another series that needs a little bit of uh, uh, needs a shot in the arm as well. And uh, speaking of the truck series, uh, I got the opportunity opportunity to interview uh, Noah Gregson. Uh, that interview is actually online on Motorsports Tribune. Climbing the ladder, Noah Gregson. Uh, it's a series meant to introduce these young and up and coming drivers. Uh, Next week, I believe I should have Stuart Friesen's online, and I also have some with Kaz Grala, Chase Briscoe, uh, Cole Custer, Spencer Gallagher, and Matt Tift on the way. Okay. Fans look forward to that. And Looking forward to reading from, all of that, yeah. Hear from some of the young, young guys. But uh, that we, we've kind of covered the All Star race, and, and and we can we can hash that and debate that from now to the cows come home. But I I guess now we kind of need to transition over to the six hundred coming up this weekend. Uh, four and, stages. Yeah, four stages, four hundred lap race, uh, six hundred miles, the longest longest race on the calendar. Uh, kind of need to start thinking about and uh, making our picks, uh, making our picks for that. Well, now, Richard Richard has pulled a hat trick over the last three weeks he's been on the show. Um, you know, and, and it's really fitting because the Stanley Cup finals are beginning to really <laughs> because that Richard pulled a hat trick. So, uh, Richard, you've picked the last three um, and, and got them right. So, so you're going to pick last. So, Gray, you get to pick first. <laughs> Golly day! I tell you what, you know, uh, thinking about this race and looking, looking at, you know, going back last year and looking at how the '78 just totally dominated 
that race and led all but about eight laps. Uh, uh, lived what three hundred ninety two laps or something like that. Uh, three hundred ninety two laps. Uh, yeah. Five hundred uh, eighty eight miles. A yeah. series unreal. record. Yeah, uh, unreal. And and was never really challenged in in, in the, during the night. It was it was an incredible performance. But then he didn't back it up in October when he went back. He was. Uh, he had a clutch go bad during yeah. a pit stop. But he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, wasn't didn't have a dominant car that that uh, during during that race, and he really I was just surprised that uh, really didn't do as well as he did in the uh, in the uh, All Star race uh, as, as I thought he was. I thought he'd be one of well, the favorites to get up there and run. Uh, he had a penalty in the All Star race. Uh, he too many men over the line. I want to say yeah, or but over still, the wall too still soon. Still, he wasn't. Still, he wasn't, uh, even before that happened, he wasn't a ball of fire. So, uh, I don't know, man. I tell you, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, been, been thinking, I tell you, uh, Kyle Busch had never had any much success in a, in a cup car, uh, at Charlotte until, uh, till he, till he got, uh, the win the other night there, uh, in the Austin race. I'm going to say the 18 is going to prevail, uh, in the 600. All right, Kyle Busch for you. Seth, who you got? Uh, Well, looking at the performance in the All-Star race itself and in practice and qualifying for the All-Star race, I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. I mean, he was mistake-free all weekend until the jackpot broke, and had it not been for that or also for some lug nuts that may or may not have been on Kyle Busch's car, Kyle Larson may have actually won the All Star race. Okay, that's a good pick. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Larson, man, that that dude is hot this year too, man. He's all right, Frank. Pick. Which Penske car are you going to take? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to go off of my Penske thing here, and I'm going to step a, outside your. Comfort I'm, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, and I'm going to tell you that Kevin Harvick is going to win a Coke 600. Okay, that's a good pick because hey, Kevin Kevin ran. Had a solid All Star race. He had a good car there. ran 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 quite well. Right, and he's he's won there a couple of times. I think he won in yep. eleven and again in fourteen. So, but I'm gonna go with Harvick. Two six hundred wins at front with for RCR. Absolutely, yeah. So Richard, it's up to you to tell us who's really gonna win since you're always <laughs> right. <laughs> um, who are we gonna go for? Again, he looked pretty good last week in the uh, All Star. I'm gonna go for Jimmy Johnson. All right, Jimmy Johnson, good pick there for you. So, uh, guys, um, let's talk about the NASCAR Hall of Fame uh, announcements that came out today. We uh, we had a great discussion earlier in the pre-show, so let's see if we can uh, get some of that mojo back here. Um, if you haven't heard the uh, of the of the nominees, the ones that made it into the Hall of Fame were Robert Yates, um, Red Byron, Ray Evernham, Ken Squire, and Ron Hornaday. And I know you guys and, got some great and and the landmark achievement went to uh, uh, Jim well, well, yeah, went to the family, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> went to yeah. the family. So guys, what what are your thoughts on the Hall of Fame? I, I know Gray, you've got some great thoughts on this. Uh, uh, Seth, you and I participated in a roundtable about this. Uh, you picked four of the five. I got one right. Um, the guys I <laughs> thought were going to go in didn't. Well. The only one I didn't include was Robert Yates. Uh, and the reason why is I knew he was going to go in. 
and I knew everybody else was going to include him. And lo and behold, he had 94% of the vote. Yeah, he was a leading vote getter, wasn't he? He got the most votes since 2011. I want to say Lee Petty. I think that's right. But, um, yeah, he had the most votes of any of the nominees. And uh, the only one I had on my five that didn't go in was Buddy Baker. Again, everyone that have been nominated is very deserving. Although there are some granted... Gray, you have your opinions as to who hasn't been nominated that should have been. Uh, I have my own as well. But I'm just... I'm, I don't see anything wrong with this five. It's about time NASCAR had its first champion in the Hall of Fame. It's about time the Truck Series was represented in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, media is being represented, although you do have the Squire Hall Award. Uh, for media excellence, you have the media being honored in the Hall of Fame with Ken Squire, engine builder, team owner Robert Yates, and I mean, where can you go wrong with any of the five? Yeah, and, and I, I I will agree that all three are deserving uh, of the honor, uh, and and that's the fun thing about it. We can you can talk to fifty people, and fifty people are going to have. <laughs> different opinions on on the NASCAR Hall of Fame and who should be in and and when they basically when they should go in and who should go in before them. I think that's the that's the fun part of it and we and we can discuss it. Uh, there are people that 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 I've thought about over the years that have never been nominated and I, and I brought bring this up every year that uh, I am surprised that someone like uh, Ralph Moody and, and John Holman, uh, I should say John Holman and Ralph Moody from the from the old uh, Holman and Moody dynasty back in the 60s. You know, for most people that don't know, Holman Moody was the clearinghouse for forward racing just about worldwide back in the 60s. And a lot of the things that they they built cars, they developed, developed the stock car, uh, a lot of the practices and techniques that we still use to this day in, in some of the stock cars came from the home, came from the home and Moody shops. These are two very significant figures in the history of stock car racing, but yet to be nominated. And they're right in the same, uh, in the same, uh, you can speak with them in the same vein as you talk about Bud Moore and, and, uh, Cotton Owens who, who are already, uh, in, in the hall. So I think, you know, too, uh, we've we've debated on 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 the on the panel that that uh, that elects these whether uh, you know uh, some of these guys uh, there's a newer membership uh, newer uh, younger members in the media that honestly their experience in the sport doesn't doesn't transcend uh, a couple of generations and they don't they don't know the history and the significance of these guys now. And, uh, yeah, That's and, one thing that and, concerns me and if with, look, with and the Hall. If, if you look at the guys that have driven for Holman and Moody, you know, that, that's like they're in the Hall of Fame. That's a Hall of Fame in itself. You got the Allisons. Mario Andretti won the Daytona 500 with Holman and Moody. Uh, Mark Donahue, sure A.J. Foyt, Dan Gurney, Ned Jarrett, Bobby Johns, Junior Johnson, Parnelli Jones, Fred Lorenz, and Tiny Lund. 
Richard Petty drove. Richard Petty yep. got cars from Holman Moody when when the, the the one year that he ran for Ford. I tell you, it's right? Just, Fire, Fireball it's Robbins, Curtis Turner, yeah, Al Unser, Bobby exactly. Unser. You know, what I mean, all you got these guys from both USAC, uh, IndyCar, and uh, NASCAR all aligning with Holman Moody. Why aren't those guys ever nominated? Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that concerns me about the Hall. And and I tell you what, everybody that has that is in the Hall of Fame now. That has that has that has been nominated and inducted is very deserving, and I will not debate that with anybody. They they need to be there. I will. Uh, I think there's some some guys that probably went in before they should because there was more. Des- there was people that deserved to go in before they did. But then again, that's that's just a debate. That's just my my opinion. But uh, again, you've got also Ray Evernham, championship crew chief. Uh, that got uh, that got got nominated this this time as well, and all these guys again, I, I can't say it enough, are very deserving. And there's other people uh, that that's still on the still on the list that were nominated again this year. Guys like Waddell Wilson, championship uh, engine builder. Uh, he's another Holman Moody graduate, as well as Robert Yates. They both got their start building engines for the for the great Holman Moody teams. So I mean, you you've got a lot of people that have come through and graduated and driven for Holman Moody that have been uh, gone in the Hall of Fame, but yet we still we still uh, haven't nominated the, the yeah. two namesakes of that operation. Now, to be fair, uh, Hornaday, he was the fifth one to be voted in uh, this time around. He actually was tied with Alan Kowicki, and after a revote. Hornaday went out over Kawicki to be uh, come one of the inductees for the 2018 class. Mm-hmm. This is the second time there's been a tie. Uh, the last time there was a tie, I want to say it was between... I forget who it was between, but I want to say it was two or three years ago. And the one who lost out ended up being the first one in the next year. Yeah, I think it was either. I think it might have been Fireball Roberts. Uh, that, yeah, that, it might have been. Yeah, I think I think it might have been might have been Fireball that year. But you know, there's different criteria that people look at that, that this the panel looks at, and obviously, being a former champion carries a lot of weight. And then other things that the other things that apply is contributions, uh, your contribution or your or or your impact on the sport. And obviously, guys like Fred Lorenzen and Fireball Roberts have been inducted. Neither one were champions. They were multiple winners, but their impact on the sport at the time they oh. were in was, was so great and helped the sport grow. And uh, that that's obviously why 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 they were inducted. Uh, legendary figures like uh, Curtis Turner and Junior Johnson uh, also went in and helped helped the sport grow with their contributions. And then you've got Ken Squire. Longtime broadcaster, uh, and really, co-founder of MRN, right? And exactly, and he came. They came along at time, you know, very, very early on. Races weren't on the TV much, and radio was the media that covered the sport and brought it to the masses. And uh, you know, it was almost a, you know a, an appointment uh, with the radio on Sunday afternoon to sit down and, and listen to those broadcasts. And uh, Ken Squire was a pioneer with that, along with the late Barney Hall. Uh, and uh, guys like that. So, yeah, very de- another very deserving uh, induction. So 
you know, it's it's not easy. It's not easy, and that and, and we can do the same thing with any Hall of Fame, baseball, football. We can always debate who should be in and who should be at. The the good thing is that we have a Hall of Fame, and we do recognize these 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 now, contributors to our sport. I do have one note as far as Hornaday is concerned. Right now, he is the all-time win leader in the Truck Series. If Kyle Busch wins all the remaining races he has on his Truck Series schedule, all four of them, Kyle Busch would not only tie, but would also become the new win leader. Okay. Well, so, and, and he'll become the new win leader eventually, even if he doesn't win this year. Yeah. If he's just going to trucks next year. Yeah. If, it's a matter of time, it, yeah. So Yes. But there well, but, is a chance but, that Hornaday, when he goes in, would be the win leader. Yeah, and I think it's yeah, great. But, but, you know, but if you think about it, I mean, Hornaday was the first big star of the Truck Series. When the truck, yes, he was. When yeah. the Truck Series he's was new. He was the and, second and he, champion. Yeah, he, he was. He was the dominant guy all the time. I, you know, I remember watching the, you know, NASCAR in the '90s and saying, "Oh, truck race, I'm going to be Hornaday." You know. Yep. Um, he's a grand champion, really. He is. And, absolutely. And, he, yeah. he, and, and very deserving. And we need to recognize this is not the. This is not the this is not the Cup Hall of Fame. It's the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and you need to to recognize uh, gentlemen from all divisions, just like Mike Stefanik. Uh, what my, what is Mike Stefanik's like a seven time modified no, champion? Nine time. Nine time modified champion. Thank you, Seth. But he is very deserving. Uh, go to go in just like uh, uh, Richie Evans is in there. And two, you've got to uh, spread it around too because. These guys have legions of fans in different uh, different regions of the of the country, and they are they are stars in their own right. And these these people will travel to the uh, Hall of Fame to see see their hero enshrined and, and and see his display and see his history on display at the Hall of Fame. So yeah, we need to recognize people just like you know we've got Jack Ingram representing the old Bush series. And and I hope one day Sam Ard, uh, the late Sam Ard, uh, gets his due and and is inducted into the Hall of Fame for for what he did in the uh, in the old Bush Grand National Series. But yeah, it's we can debate it every year. It's 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 a, it's a fun thing to do, and we're fortunate enough to be able to do it. Absolutely, yeah. And Hall of Fames, there's nothing else. There's a lot of politics politics behind the scene too, uh, how, how, you, how you campaign and whatnot. But uh, you know, like you said, Gray. It's great that we have a Hall of Fame to recognize these guys. And uh, one of these days, my favorite modified driver, Jimmy Spencer, will get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> or not. I was, I was talking to Seth the other day. I'm a big Jimmy Spencer fan. That guy was one of my heroes growing up. So, But let's, you know, we're, uh, we're well over our time. But, heck, let's just keep talking. Because the Monaco Grand Prix is coming up. And that's a that's a, the crown jewel of the Formula One calendar. And, um, I, gosh, I remember watching Monaco all the way back from the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember my favorite quote about Monaco came from Nelson Piquet, who said, <laughs> he said, racing in Monaco is like riding your bicycle in your living room. <laughs> and he says, it's really hard to do, but at the same time, one win in Monaco is worth is worth." Two wins in any other track. So, uh, so um, now, Richard, you're a big Formula yep. One guy. You love the sport. Um, uh, <coughs> Alonso sitting out, so he's not going to win Monaco. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
Who do you like? I mean, I mean, Lewis was really good last week or, or week before last in the race. Uh, yeah, we we had the uh, we had the Lewis on fire who's going to win. So, um, well, what do you think for Monaco, man? It's going to be interesting. Um, I think one of the areas that Mercedes may struggle with, and I believe him right. I'm saying this, and so if somebody does know, please correct me. But I believe that the Mercedes is compared to the other. Their rivals, especially the Ferrari, they're a slightly longer wheelbase car. So, and you've typically seen in the past the longer wheelbase car struggle a little bit around Monaco due to the you know the tight nature uh, of the track. So, it's potential that they may struggle there. But you know, Monaco is all about qualifying. If you can qualify well there, and you can you can get out in front and you can drag the car around under uh, on on your quick lap uh, in qualifying, then you're very hard to beat. Um, even if you're a second a lap slower. I mean, probably, you know, some of you remember, I think it was Enrique Bernaldi holding up David Coulthard for, I think it felt like two weeks around, <laughs> uh, around Monaco. I mean, you know, and Coulthard, every corner, every single corner, every lap was, you know, gesticulating to Bernaldi. And it was like, hey, look, this is Monaco. If you don't like it, there'll be somebody else to take your seat in a heartbeat. You know, as Greg was saying earlier, with some of the cup drivers, you know, on the radio, just get on with it and drive. <laughs> so yeah. um, it'll be, it's always interesting around there. Uh, and it's, it's a very strange race. Um, you know, obviously, as you say, it's the pinnacle, it's the crown jewel of Formula One, but you know, the teams hate it. It's a horrible place to work. It's better than it used to be, but it's not a particularly nice place to, not a nice environment to work. It's a longer week than normal because they'll, they'll practice Thursday, have Friday off and then, uh, qualify Saturday and Sunday, so it's a long week. It's not a bad place to have a long week, but it's it's not. Yeah, you know, it's horrible to work in. The the conditions are very cramped. I mean, but until recently, until they redeveloped the pit lane, only I think three or four of the teams were allowed to have their um, garage in pit on the pit lane. The other teams had to have their uh, garage in the parking lot above the tunnel, and every day they had to drag everything. To the pit lane and then drag it back. It was like a mile and a half each way every day. Uh, it's mm-hmm. better than it used to be, but it, it it's a very strange race. It's it's this great crown jewel, but in many ways it's it's not always the most entertaining race in the world. I mean, the only way you get a really entertaining uh, Monaco is if it rains, um, and you know I think a lot of the teams would rather be somewhere else. Let me ask yeah. you this, Richard. Um, Mercedes has had some brake issues uh, at a few of the tracks early on. And, of course, we know how tight Monaco is, and obviously braking is very important there. Uh, do you think they've solved some of their some of the issues that they had earlier in the season that, that kind of gave them some, some problems? Potentially, but I think historically Monaco isn't a high, as crazy as it sounds, isn't a high wear track on the on the brakes because you don't have the high speeds it's not like a canada where you're stopping right. from 210 miles an hour down to 70 miles an hour three or four times you. a lap you know you, you may be going from 150 down to which is still a pretty quick right. stop but it's it, not it's not the constant pounding on the brakes like you see at canada uh, right. so so potentially it's not going to be such an issue for them uh, i'm not saying that it won't be but i i don't think they'd be as concerned um it's more about you know, suspension setup and geometry, though, where where you see how you can ride, how you can ride the drains and how you can ride the uneven uh, track surface 
more than anything around there. If you've got a good mechanical grip, uh, then you'll you'll do well there. More so than more so than the arrow coming into play there. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you just stick a you just stick a big wig on the back and put it up as 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 high as possible and and go with it. Create as much downforce as you can. Okay, makes sense. So, uh, all right. Monaco is an interesting it, contrast to the other modern Formula One tracks. You know, the, the, all these modern Formula One tracks, you know, all the ones in the Middle East, and uh, even if you look at um, Coda, uh, they, 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 they're all nice and flat, have all this runoff area. And now I was uh, talking to some, you know, some Formula One old-timers. Uh, they said, you know, uh, if they stay in age, they introduce Monaco, they, they drop it right off right away. They said, oh, this oh, one. Totally. This one. Yeah, they, they, but because it's Monaco, because it's been there since, yeah. I believe, 1929, if I'm not mistaken, it's it stays there just because it's Monaco, but it is not the ideal situation for the teams, the drivers, uh, it, it, or or even the spectators. It, it, There's not a lot of really no. good sight lines there, unless you're on the yacht in the harbor and you can catch the guys oh, yeah. going around the swimming pool. You know, otherwise, yeah. Is, yeah so, but uh, but yeah, I, I love ever, Monaco. I always have. If you ever get an opportunity, I, I've never, unfortunately, but does that. Is the the cars come through the the entrance of the swimming pool? Uh, after they come through to back, you've got the left right flick into the swimming pool. It, there's a TV camera right on the uh, exit of the uh, of the right hander, and it just blows you away when you get to see that camera view. The, the change of speed, the you get a, a feel for just how close the cars are to, to the wall and how quickly they can change uh, change direction. It, it's just mind blowing. Um, yeah. I like that way because it shows the nimbleness of the car when they oh, move back and forth. It, you're right. It's incredible. But speaking of the swimming pool, I read an article today where they have changed the curbing Correct. there. And the, the guys won't be able to cut that corner like they've had. They put this real aggressive curb curb there to keep the guys kind of honest and, not, and they won't be able to test the track limits uh, there anymore. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that does change it. I mean – it's one of these things. These teams that'll have been, in, you know, they'll have had that in a simulator. Or the drivers will have driven it in a simulator. So, the first time they come to see it, it'll just be like, oh yeah, it is there, and that'll be it. You know, you may get somebody that, you know, maybe during the race the tires are starting to wear and they start to push it a little bit too hard, but um, in reality, it's not going to make a huge difference. And you, you made an interesting point there a little bit earlier about how if this, if somebody now in 2017 came up with the idea of, hey, let's have a Grand Prix in Monaco, it would be thrown out and. There's so many of the classic tracks. I mean, if you look at the... I did read the document a few years ago that the FIA um, generated for track uh, approval, the, the criteria that the track, each track has to go through before it will be uh, signed off. I think Suzuka wouldn't be allowed um, and Spa wouldn't be allowed. So you've already thrown out two of the best tracks in the grid. So it's a good job they're grandfathered in. It's a good job yeah. the grandfather name because yeah, <laughs> who who wants to lose Spa off the schedule? Man, that's another fantastic track. Yeah, I think I think the thing that would do Spa is the gradient throw a really too high. I, yeah, but that's a hell of that's a hell of a damn corner though. Cool. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's, Formula that's a classic. I mean, you know, you you can write a whole book about that corner. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, and it, the interest, I don't know if anybody you know is interested, but the original uh, Rouge didn't used to be that shape. It used to be a a very very tight left right corner that actually. When you get to the bottom of the hill, turn 90 degrees left and went over a bridge, which is a few hundred feet to the left of where the track lies now, and then wound its way back up um, 
up the hill, um, and then they eventually they they covered it all in and uh, and made that corner that you see today. It's breathtaking today, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Sorts the men from the boys, and, then, well, and, and, that, and that's one of the best races to see in the rain. You know? Yes, yeah, yes. I think I, I can't remember the last time. And again, we went and there again, like I said, Monaco is another good one in the rain. Yeah, so yeah, I yep. still remember. Like I think I still recall my favorite Monaco Grand Prix. Ninety six. Mm, no. Oh, eighty four. Eighty two. 82. Oh. 82. When they, nobody that, was, w- that was before I was born. I'm not allowed to. Oh, win. gosh. Nobody wanted to win it. <laughs> nobody, won, nobody wanted to win it. They had, um, um, you know, they, they, the leaders came through, and then uh, uh, the, the one guy ran out of gas, and the guy ran out of gas, yep. and then the one guy crashed, and then, then Patrese spun. Patrese had it won, and he spun, and he high-ended on the corner, and he, he said, oh, man, I just threw this race away. And then, then he got going, and then... Um, the, the commentary in the booth, it was uh, James Hunt actually says like, yes. well, we've had this ridiculous situation where we're sitting at the uh, start finish line waiting for a winner, but we don't seem to have one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Patrese, Patrese, the marshals pulls car off the, um, off the uh, curbing. He gets going and people are cheering. He goes, Oh, I guess I must've finished second or third. You know, they like me cause I'm Italian comes around wins the race, has no idea he won the race because uh, you know, Peroni stopped in the tunnel. Um, <laughs> the other guy stopped in the tunnel. And, uh, per, you know, Patrese wins the race and has no idea he's won the race. And it's like, that was one of the wackiest races ever. And, Richard, I'm sorry it happened before you were born, but uh, yeah. check, it, check it out on YouTube <laughs> because that was just some of the commentary from James Hunt and um, I believe it was Gordon Murray doing the commentary. Um, yeah. it, really a fascinating race. Um, and that's always an interesting, uh, an interesting relationship there, because uh, James Hunt and Ricardo Patrese were uh, not very good friends. I uh, no, no. Oil and water. Oil, yeah, well, yeah. you got the whole. I mean, Hunt Hunt blamed uh, Patrese for the yep. Peter Peterson thing, but uh, yep. uh, yeah, we we could talk about we could talk about that for a whole <laughs> another hour long show. But um, anyway, guys, we are way out of time. We're 19 minutes past our time, so uh, what I want to do is, real quick, let's go around the table. Final thoughts going into this uh, biggest weekend of racing of the year. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Seth. Make our picks for Monaco in, in our in our closing audience. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can make okay. some picks for Monaco. Okay, my pick for Monaco, I'll start with that. Uh, I don't follow Formula One as closely as you guys, so I'm just gonna go with the guy I know and just say Lewis Hamilton. Sure. <laughs> hey, Damon, that, that's as good a pick as any. Yeah. So, Gray, Gray, you got a pick for Monaco? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say we're gonna get a surprise winner this time. I, I, t- I tell you, I'm gonna, uh, um, I'm gonna say the red one of the Red Bulls prevails, oh, yeah. Rick, Ricardo. You just well okay. You almost stole my pick because I was going to go with Verstappen. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird race. Some weird stuff happens from time to time. I'm going to say weird might happen this time. It's been an unpredictable year so far, kinda. So yeah, let's let's really go out on a limb this time. All right. So you take Ricardo. I'll take Verstappen. Richard, who you got? Uh, Vettel. There you go. Ferrari all the way. So anyway, so. Let's go right around the table. Just final thought. 
just uh, whatever you guys want to throw out there before we have to uh, uh, bid everyone a fair and do. So, uh, Seth, you're for, you're up first. For me, uh, I'm gonna go with the NASCAR driver, diversity driver Macy Causey. She made history this past weekend, becoming the first uh, woman to win a late model race at South Boston Speedway. Uh, 16 years old. Uh, and after the celebration, she fainted and was taken to uh, Carolina's Medical Center, where oh, she no. was diagnosed with a strep throat, sinus infection, and severe dehydration. Hmm. But, she, but, she won, but she won the race. She, she won despite being that sick. Man, Soldier through good, and won the race. Good for her. You know what? Five years from now, she'll, she'll be the next Danica. Or she'll be a Danica that wins. <laughs> Ouch. Good for her, man. Gray, what do you got, man? I'm looking forward to the weekend. Always one of the one of the best racing weekends uh, of the year. Have have breakfast in uh, Monaco, lunch in Indy, and dinner in uh, Charlotte. So yeah, I'm looking forward to a, to a full day of racing. Absolutely. Richard, what's your last thought for the, for the evening? Uh, I just want to go back to a little, quite an inspirational story, really. I know uh, we discussed it a few weeks ago. Uh, Billy Monger, the British um, Formula 4 uh, driver who had a horrific accident at Donington Park and uh, suddenly lost both of his legs. Well, five weeks, five weeks after that, he was back at the track, back at Alton Park last weekend for the British uh, Formula 4 race, meeting with fans, signing autographs, uh, driving around in a golf cart that had been uh, modified for uh, you know, hand control. And uh, one of his uh, competitors uh, had quite a big wreck and was actually taken to the medical centre. And uh, Billy was the first guy in the medical centre to make sure he's, uh, he was OK. And, I mean, it's a totally inspirational story, that kid. And uh, you, you really do hope that he, you know, he can get in a car of some sort, and you can, you'll see a bit of a, you know, an Alex Zanardi sort of style uh, car modification there. And he can get out and race because uh, certainly where he deserves to be. Yes, yeah, an incredible story, and the young man doesn't is not feeling sorry for himself, uh, which he very well could be. He's 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 moving forward, and yeah, great story. Yep, fantastic. I mean, I, I have a cold in five weeks. I'm still struggling. But, you know, he, he's out there and he's he, you know, it's fantastic. He's smiling. He's laughing. He's, you know, signing autographs and interacting with the crowd. And it's inspirational. You know, really is fantastic. Man, that's so good to hear, Max. We, you know, we talked about Billy a couple of weeks ago on the show. And, um, yeah, I like how, you know, you, you made the Alex Zanardi reference there. Um, yeah, th- this kid has so many good years ahead of him. Um, and they're not going to be how he planned them, but um, he's going to make the best of it. And, um, yeah, I wish Billy Monger the best. But my final thought for the evening is, well, once I get off the show here tonight, I've got to finish packing my bags, and I'll be up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the weekend. Um, we're looking at some rain in the middle of the week. Um, going for Carb Day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Carb Day is fun. The concert for Carb Day is Steve Miller Band and Bare Naked Ladies. And you got a good concert on Legends Day too, so that's good. Well, they some, they always have some country guy on Legends Day. So Keith Urban, yep. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to skip that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, the funny thing is, I almost never go to see the concerts because I'm always so busy writing. But I love the Steve Miller Band, 
and I love the bare naked ladies. So we're gonna we're gonna go. I got uh, the extra tickets to go be in the pit, be in the pit at the Carb Day concert. Just check out Steve Miller because I've never seen him live, and I love his music. So, but uh, otherwise, I, I'm looking forward to a great weekend in Indianapolis, and I'm looking forward to getting back here next week with with all you guys, my friends. To uh, you know, share my stories from Indianapolis, sharing all my pictures on social media, and um, and with all the listeners of Drafting the Circuit. So, I mean, with that being said, you are listening to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. This is Drafting the Circuits. We are out of time. I want to thank you, Gray, Seth, and Richard, uh, for a great show tonight. I want to thank you, listeners, and we'll talk to you in one week's time. Good night. <laughs> W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-